0: Well, Merry Christmas and welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike across from me. Shane Bishop, my name is Mike. We're happy to have you join us. In this episode, we all know Christmas events and family gatherings can be stressful. Drama wrapped in beautiful paper and adorned with a bow is still drama, but we want to suggest Christmas events and family gatherings can be pretty good, even wonderful. Like anything else in life, things will go better for you if you apply some common sense hacks to your situation and work them. Shane and I are going to give you some pre-Christmas hacks for the holidays. Our conversation is based off of Shane's blog, A Dozen Pre-Christmas Hacks. You can find the blog at RevShaneBishop.com. Shane, how is your holiday season going so far? Have yourselves a virtual little Christmas.
1: (laughs) How could it be going any better? What could be better than celebrating Christmas in a global pandemic separated from those you love, Mike? Mike? Boom. I feel like we're on it, man.
0: I think some families probably love it. Right? Well, yeah. it's an excuse. The Not less, my family. The less Not someone even... likes their family, <laughs> yeah. the more this Christmas is going to be in their wheelhouse. This, this is introvert's paradise. It I is. I think this last year. It might be. Everyone else suffers, but it's <laughs> yeah. introvert's.
1: Yeah. If you've always thought, man, Christmas would be awesome <laughs> except for all these family. Yeah. This is it, <laughs> this man. Is this this is, it. is
0: your year. Hey, speaking of Christmas songs. Yes. Do you have any favorite Christmas songs or Christmas hymns over the years or just go to that you like? I know for me, I love uh, The Christmas Song by nat king cole that's probably yeah. my favorite do you um, got an impression of nat king cole no no i mean do i have an impression no no because no, no. he was like one of the
1: great voices of all time <laughs> don't you think
0: <laughs> yeah do you want to hear disappointment uh <laughs> it, was that one of his songs <laughs> it will be <laughs> uh, okay uh and then him so if we go him oh come oh come emmanuel yeah For that's me, a beautiful song I, I love that song there was a guy in Rantoul named roger little he owned his own uh Uh, his own uh, men's dressing uh, store, uh, suit store downtown for like 40 or 50 years. But he did this thing with his voice where I I remember his whole like face shaking when he would sing, Oh, come, oh, come Emmanuel. It sounded great. It's a little disturbing to watch, but it it was really, uh, it it made an impression on me and I love the song.
1: Yeah. You know, the thing that strikes me about Christmas songs, first of all, I like them all. I really do. I, I like Christmas songs, but I don't really know anything but the first verse of any of them. <laughs> yeah. So the good. second year past the first yeah. verse, I really got nothing.
0: Okay.
1: Nothing, but I do enjoy the songs. I have memories associated with the songs. But if I had to pick one, yeah, probably "Oh Holy Night" is my very, very favorite, particularly when it's sung really, really well.
0: Yeah, we get to hear that here
1: every I'm single like year that by that Don Fraser. And he does an incredible does job. an incredible job.
0: I do have another question. What is your what is your thoughts on Christmas, ugly Christmas sweaters? Well, Do I don't like any. I don't well, like ugly clothes at all. I mean, I, so- I don't. I I don't. Why is it that people feel like ugly Christmas sweaters gets them into the season?
1: Do you think it's because they might have poor taste in sweaters generally and this somehow takes the pressure off?
0: That could be. Maybe
1: they're having an ugly sweater party, but deep in their heart, they're saying, I finally get to wear a sweater I think looks good on me. That's right. And there's no pressure. Nobody's going to say, wow.
0: Expectations are low. Yeah,
1: that is so 1994. Nobody's going to say that an ugly sweater party. So I feel like it takes pressure Off of people who maybe yeah. have no taste in clothing.
0: Yeah, yeah. We need. I, I have like three,
1: three <laughs> ugly, <laughs> ugly sweaters. I, now, do you keep them around just for parties, or do you wear them elsewhere as it's well? It's just
0: for parties. Yeah. I right. was thinking about this uh, season. So you must before. go to a
1: lot of ugly sweater parties. Maybe three a year.
0: I think I just needed attention for a while. Oh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so put those on. I don't know why. I, I like it. I haven't worn them for a while. Uh, favorite holiday dessert. Oh, you have one. Yeah, favorite holiday dessert. Mine, mine fluctuates my wife makes amazing cookies amazing desserts she does. she does that every year she used to make these little things called elf bites and they're the simplest thing in the world they're uh, uh, little uh sugar cookies mm-hmm. and they're in a cube shape with sprinkles in them yeah but for whatever reason i just absolutely love them but i say pecan pie in general if it was just i had to have one dessert during the holidays it would be pecan pie and you know, for me, it's so
1: funny, but the, the it's not my favorite dessert, but it's a dessert I associate with holidays. My mom used to make something and we called it cheesecake, but it wasn't cheesecake in the normal sense. It was like made of cream cheese and and it was, you know, but it wasn't yeah. like, a, it was kind of a, a poor man's cheesecake, right? And then they would open a can of cherries and just like dump it yeah. on, on top. I mean, that's kind of what you had, but that kind of poor man's cheesecake with cherries out of the can is probably what I associate with happy holidays when I was a kid. That's awesome. Not, not my favorite dessert. I mean, you get favorite desserts, you know, pecan pie, if they uh, melt a chocolate chip or two in it, Okay. Uh, ice cream, French silk pie. Yeah. I love chocolate pie. I mean, so I'm kind of a pie guy, you know, I I do like good cookies, sugar cookies at Christmas are really nice, but for me, probably the pies are the best non-fruit pies, unless coconuts are fruit. If coconuts are fruit, then I do like fruit pies.
0: Well, uh, I love pies as well, Shane. Uh, pecan, like I said, is my favorite. Pecan's uh, awesome. Pretty much, but I like fruit pies as well. So yeah, yeah. And I don't like pumpkin pie. Yeah. See, there's some things yeah. that make me
1: question whether or not I'm an American. I don't like pumpkin pie. I don't like popcorn. I don't like watermelon. There's things that
0: yes. everybody likes, dude, that I don't like. I didn't know you didn't like watermelon. I don't. Not My wife and my girls don't like watermelon. Well, good for them. And, I, and, and every 4th of July, I say, are you an American or not? Yeah, right. So that, that's a People do effect. question
1: your patriotism yeah. if you don't like oh my certain foods. But yeah.
0: I, I got nothing on those. I don't like hot dogs. You do like hot dogs. No, I don't. don't. I don't okay. like hot dogs. What about the expensive ones? Have you had like these all beef expensive? We'll buy Hebrew nationals. Yeah. And they're like eight bucks for six of them. And it's embarrassing, but those are the only ones I like. Like, yeah. See, when I was a kid, my dad took me, my uncle worked at a packing house,
1: and dad took me, and and my uncle showed us around. I was like eight years old. And I think my uncle's only goal was to gross me out for the rest of my life. And he showed me what went in hot dogs. Basically, every piece of meat they couldn't sell, they kind of pureed it, add gelatin and a little bit of food color, and and boom, you kind of got hot dogs. And it just cured me forever, (laughs) man. I'm cured. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I hope the hot dogs we buy aren't made like that. They are. Okay. Well, let's move into pre-Christmas hacks. This year is a little bit different, but these principles are going to help even on a Zoom call, but especially, I think, when we get to family gatherings again. First of all, here is our first pre-Christmas hack coming from Shane, one of your blogs. The right time to have that difficult conversation with a family member is never on a holiday. Is that right, Shane?
1: That is 100% right, man. Holidays, kind of think of holidays like this. A time saturated when the air is saturated with gasoline. It's a great time not to light a match. So if you got something you really need to say to somebody, something kind of
0: volatile,
1: that is not the time. It's the time
0: to not do that. Yeah, you know, I had a family, adult family member for years who just, he he was a functioning adult, married, functioning, had a job, a pretty good job. Uh, but he would get so bent out of shape over how many Christmas presents he had compared to someone else. Wow. This is crazy. This is like, he's in his thirties. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what food was served and why, you know, he wasn't asked about food. Well, in my family, no one really said anything, but when right. the left, they kind of made fun of him. Yeah. And one year I was getting a bit perturbed by it. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to say something about it, but I decided not to because of the metaphor that you just yeah. used, because if, especially if no one else is going to say anything, why am I going to say anything?
1: That's right. And I think that's a great point. And any conversation you begin with something like, hey, Captain Whackadoodle, <laughs> nothing's going to help <laughs> yeah. after that. It's just not the time. It's not the place. And, and I, I think
0: that if you've got a difficult conversation, have it another time. Yeah, absolutely. And also some people uh, it's good to have a not back down attitude right right That's good but there are times it's wise just to not say anything and i've seen you and your leadership you you're not afraid to confront an issue no. uh and i've seen you confront something immediately i've also seen you thoughtfully consider yeah uh, you know maybe we need to talk about this at a later at later time
1: mike i'm under the impression this is just my observation this is antidotal but 85 percent of all crises are resolved within 48 hours with or without uh action being taken on them, you know, yeah. with, with or without. And so a lot of things, I think, you know, can I let that go? If someone says something that's really offensive towards somebody, I may decide, no, I can't let that go. Because that's, you know, it's kind of like if somebody pulls right out in front of you when you're driving and almost kills you, I'm going to honk at them, not necessarily because I'm angry, just because they need to know they're an idiot. And, and sometimes I think that those cases are there. If someone is, is being abusive towards someone, I'm going to speak up. Yeah. If someone's just being run of the mill, annoying, uh, that, that is going to pass. And, and, and frankly, I probably won't have to see him until next year anyway.
0: That's right. Well,
1: sometimes you let them go. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. It's like you died and went to a Kenny Rogers song, Mike. Well, Shane, let's move to our next I one. thought that would make yeah. you want to move to yeah. the next one. Do you know who Kenny Rogers is? I always
0: just picture the beard. Okay, He's got the white hair and the beard, right? Well, he didn't always have white well, hair, but by the time I you know. came along, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah he probably him. did. Cause... I think he was in a couple. Was, did him and Dolly Parton sing together yeah, a lot? Yeah,
1: and that would also describe Santa, who had a white hair, beard, and sang with Dolly Parton.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, here's our next pre-Christmas hack. And I love this one, Shane. Focus your attention on the older people. Focus your attention on the older people. I, I think that is a wise pre pre-Christmas hack. What, what's so important about that?
1: Well, let's be honest. I mean, I was raised uh, without a lot of resources. I know there are people today who don't have a lot of resources, but Christmas was a really big deal for kids because we got things at Christmas we would not get any other time of year. I would argue that for my four grandkids, that every single day is Christmas for them. There's nothing you're going to buy them at Christmas they wouldn't get at another time, unless you bought them, let's say, a spaceship a real one that goes to space. So there's nothing that's going to impress them. So the idea that Christmas is about children and the wonder of opening these gifts, I think that's kind of a cycle that's going to be pretty hard to do. You pull a rabbit out a hat, you got to pull a bigger rabbit out a hat. Before long, what, what do we get them? Yeah. But focusing on the older people, uh, spending time with them, Asking them questions, tell, letting them have some space to tell stories, yeah. valuing them, because who knows whether or not they'll be there the next year. I think that's a better focus than just trying to add more materialistic fuel to the feeding frenzy when it comes to kids. In the
0: very least, it sounds like you're saying it will balance stuff out, I right? I think so. And I know my wife has basically said, we're giving our kids from me and her just three gifts each, which, yeah. uh, because they get stuff all the time. Yeah. Like you said, it's a Christmas. I mean, they go to Target. We get them, uh, you know, little things all the time. The other thing though, in terms of focusing on older people, one of my favorite parts of Christmas gatherings is when my dad and my uncle tell family stories yeah. and they get bigger. And they get, every year they get bigger and better and, and, uh, but that's one of the best parts, laughing at one another and hearing those stories and, and uh, this, this kind of being built within our family. And I think, you know, uh, allowing older people, giving them that space is really important. And, and valuing them, because I think
1: we live in a culture that devalues And, and this Christmas particularly, it's going to devalue a lot of older people because they're not going to feel comfortable coming to the celebration they're going to feel somewhat excluded through no fault of their own. Uh, and and I think offering opportunities to value our older people is just a good thing to do. It might be the best thing you can do for your kids is let them get to know your grandparents yeah. a little bit better than, uh, you know, you guys need
0: to sit down and be quiet. And, and with that being said, maybe the kiddos need to put down the phones. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, put down the phones or at least limit them and say, hey, this is family time because nope. these moments are so important. Let's put these away for a while. What What about
1: having a phone-free Christmas apart from, you know, people are going to have to Zoom and do some yeah, of that this sure. year. But what about a phone-free zone? What yeah. if for one and one-half hours over lunch or, or supper or mm-hmm. while you open your gifts, you just say everybody has to turn their phone off? Yeah. You know, you just have to do that and then have a fine if a phone rings or if somebody looks at the phone, they, it costs them 50 bucks and you're going to give it to your favorite charity. Uh, a Christmas <laughs>
0: without phones is awesome. Yeah. And it will take advantage of all the people that are there in terms of spending time with them and especially the older people. Well, Shane, here's a, a hack that won't work as well probably this year, but I think it's an important one to talk about. It's simply just to help clean up during family gatherings. Help clean up. How does that help uh, as a pre-Christmas hack, Shane? It values
1: people. Uh, And I don't know how stereotypical uh, your holidays are, but I remember when I was a little boy, uh, Thanksgiving would be a great example. You know, all the women cooked and then the men and the kids played and the men sat and
0: watched TV. And
1: then we all ate. And then the kids went and played. The men watched football and the women cleaned up. And I remember one year, my dad, who must have been feeling like a radical, he got up during the football game and he went to the kitchen Mm -hmm. and helped do dishes. He helped clean up. Well, it was just a staggering thing. It just threw the feng shui of the family completely off. But I remember watching that as a child thinking, you know, that's probably a good thing to do. It's probably a good thing. to. It's a good example. So, you know what? Pitching in, helping clean up. A lot of times we want to get kids, indulge kids and get them, you know, I always say, if you don't watch it, it's adults who don't want anything, things they don't want. And then you're going to get kids who want everything, things they don't need. And so for this kids being involved in cleanup, yeah, you know, bring your dishes in. Everybody seeing that yeah. as contributors
0: to the family, yeah. I think
1: it's pretty important.
0: I do as well. First of all, we were created to work in some way That's or right. another. And Work do,
1: was before the fall. Work was
0: before the fall. And so we're created to work. So I, I don't know about you. I feel better about myself when I have some type of job to do. And I think having that mindset, bringing that to a family is important. Uh, also, I will say, you got to remember how to help. Some people just jump into help and it causes chaos right. everywhere. Uh, but understanding whatever your role is, and that takes me to the next point, is that having just a servant mindset, like, mm-hmm. okay, this is my family. It doesn't mean you have to be you're not trying to prove yourself or anything, but how do I serve here? And I think in especially dysfunctional families, it's really important to have that service mindset because it always brings you above your self-interest and and dysfunction. A lot of times you got some garbage going on and all that. Uh, but overall, I think having that servant mindset, like your dad showed through that story is really important. And I, I just think, uh, it's good. It's a good example, like you said, and it's great for the family. So a good question to ask at Christmas is six words. What can I do
1: to help? You know, what can I do to help? It's a great question. And ask it to whoever's in charge. You know, don't, sometimes people don't want help because they got their own system and their own way of doing it. And so if they don't want help and you ask, boom, you're off the hook. hook, Just like
0: that. But if you ask, I think it's important to do and part of that's communication, right? Cause some people just sit feeling guilty. Like, Oh, I should ask. I should ask. I should it just communicate, communicate. And then if you're off the hook, you're off an offer an offer. Yeah. offer. Yeah. Is there anything I can do?
1: And I will often say to Melissa, you know, is there anything I can do to help clean up? And she'll often say, no, it's easier for me to take care of it. But sometimes yeah. she'll say, yeah, you can do this, this, and this, we need to at least make the offer. We It gives us buy-in too. You're not just yeah. a, I don't mean this in a bad way. You're not just a parasite. Yeah. You're, you're a contributor to the family. And, and I think that's an important thing too. Absolutely.
0: All right. Next pre-Christmas hack is create wins for children. And I, I think really the idea around this, Shane, when you were uh, writing the blog was uh, basically do not overexhaust your kiddos. Yeah. And I think that was a big part of that. Uh, what do you think about
1: creating wins for children? I know when my grandkids were really young, we'd go out to eat. And there was a point at which you could tell there's nothing else good going to happen. <laughs> That's
0: right. And sometimes they're not going to even
1: out. It's not going to even out. I <laughs> think we are in a deteriorating orbit right now and things are only going to get worse. What I found with my kids that they really figured out is now they, they the kids are older now. It doesn't happen much, but they, they got to where they could see. We were at a point where nothing good is going to happen. So putting your kids in a place to win is making sure that they're rested, making sure you don't feed them too much candy so they're hyper the whole time, making sure if you can tell that things are getting a little wonky Mm -hmm. that you go ahead and get them a nap somewhere. Or maybe you even leave a little earlier than you want, so your
0: kids can win. Don't put your kids in a position to lose. Absolutely, you gotta that leaving early is abandoning your plans, maybe a little bit. But you know, I've also found—I don't know if you found this—some adults push them push their own emotional limits as well at these family gatherings. They do, and they'll stay. It's almost like they'll stay until they're exhausted or until a fight happens. Mm -hmm. And I would recommend whenever you're at like eighty-five percent of what you can put up with yeah. at a family gathering, it's okay to leave gracefully and say, you know what? Uh, it, it's just time for me to go. We have work there or whatever, uh, you know, whatever's going on next in your life. But I think it's important. And who knows a, a rhythm, a, a rhythm like that year after year, you may enjoy your family gatherings more than ever before because you left a little earlier. Well, how many times have you
1: been somewhere and you're, you're there two hours? And if you would have left after two hours, things would have been going great. <laughs> yes. You stay two and a half hours, things have slid to crap. I mean, it happens a lot. So I think knowing when to exit is really important. Melissa and I will tend to, at social gatherings, we'll tend to say, let's stay an hour or let's stay two hours. But we always kind of have a general plan going in and we can adjust that one way or the other. But I do think you're best to leave early on a good note than stay too long and end on a bad note because holidays happen once a year and it takes a while to recover from a bad one. And a lot of times what's bad happens late.
0: Mm. And then uh, you know, I think people carry that into the next year with what they expect. And sometimes I think we just get into the, our own pattern of dysfunction. Oh, absolutely. And we can if we can just intercede and make a little bit of a change. I think it can change uh, maybe years of enjoying holidays after that. But well, one thing I know is if you keep doing the same things the same way, you're going to get the same results.
1: And so if you play the same thing every time, it's going to go a certain way. So I love the idea that you shared just knowing when to leave and leaving on a good note is really yeah. important. What do you
0: say sometimes? I hear you leave. I love it. Uh, you're leaving. I'm not mad,
1: but I am leaving. <laughs> I or I hate to eat and run, but it beats the heck out of just running. <laughs> but I, I always kind of like to have a little quip at the end, <laughs> just, uh, just saying, Hey, I, I'm going to leave now. It was great, but I am
0: going. Shane, as we, finish up these pre-Christmas acts, uh, we can't forget about Christ. And our final one is just remembering the reason for the season. And maybe that has to do with Christ. Maybe that's overall perspective. But, you know, what is the reason for the season that gives us this perspective?
1: This year is going to be fascinating because most of the trappings of the American Christmas are going to be taken from us one way or the other. Huge Christmas Eve services probably are not going to be able to happen in the same way. Huge family gatherings, on and on and on. So the (laughs) trappings of the American Christmas for 2020 are largely going to be absent. My concern about Christmas has always been it's hard to find Jesus in all the lights. The American Christmas Hmm. is, is really, you know, if you think about how we celebrate Christmas, there are two holidays that run concurrently. One is a secular holiday, one is a religious holiday. Each has their cast of characters. The secular holiday has Santa and the Elves and Rudolph and all of those kind of things. The religious holiday has Mary and Joseph and Jesus, but these things run concurrently at the same time. I'm gonna suggest it's gonna be very, it's gonna be increasingly difficult to celebrate the American holiday this year because a lot of it's based on materialism and sentiment. Mm-hmm. So the sentiment may still be there, but a lot of families have been damaged through the COVID shutdowns. A lot of families may not have as much money. I remember hearing somebody say a couple of years ago they weren't going to have a good Christmas this year. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, I don't have as much money to spend on people. And I, and I thought to myself, what's that had to do with Christmas? It, it, because we can't celebrate the glitzy, materialistic piranha feed that is the American Christmas, maybe it gives us an opportunity to lean into what Christmas really is all about. And Christmas is about how a loving God saw a humanity of his own creation that chose to do our own things instead of living under his rule and reign. And God saw the mess we were in. And because we couldn't get to him, he put on skin and came to us And for me, that is the hope of Christmas. Even when I can't help myself, God put on skin and he ran to me. And that is what I hope people can lean on this Christmas. And maybe it'll be the easiest Christmas of our lifetime to do so. Because the glittering city lights have been dumbed by COVID-19.
0: Well, may God grant us that perspective this Christmas. Well, we thank you for listening to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. We hope you and those you love have an incredible Christmas this year. We will see you next time and make sure that you keep the change.